You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, Season 1, Episode 11. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hey friends, welcome. I am so very glad that you are hanging out with me today. Today, we're going to talk about the power of habits to align our behaviors with our values, which is a fancy way of saying we're going to use habits to start living more of the life we want. Habits have been a little bit of a nemesis, maybe not nemesis. They've been a little elusive for me for a long time. And about five years ago, I really started paying attention to habits doing some studying around there, and uh, really starting to understand their value. So I'm going to share a little bit of my journey with habits and tie that in with our theme for the season, which is, of course, emotional agility. I promise I'll circle back to all that. But first, I want to start out our time by telling you about my three girls. Now, each of my three daughters have some amazing strengths and Now, I'd really like to take credit for those strengths, but in all honesty, I really can't. Especially my oldest daughter. She has the ability to create order out of chaos, which is really interesting because she's also super creative and super organized. It's not exactly a common combination, but she has always gotten energy from organizing her space. Well, now she's married. She has two little boys, one three and one that is five months. And so her organizational skills are being put to the test. And I have to tell you, she still rocks it. Now I'm sharing this with you because I definitely cannot take credit for this organizing superpower that she possesses. Because you see, I am a very unstructured person, which is a nice way of saying not so organized, (laughs) meaning I don't look at a mess and organically see a way to bring order out of that mess. I can vision what the room will look like without the mess. I just struggle in envisioning the steps or planning out the process of getting it to that point. I can do it, but it is a struggle and it really zaps my energy. By the time I actually make a plan, I no longer have the motivation to do it. (laughs) So it's a bit of a conundrum, but I have learned some strategies over the years that when I implement them, it really helps, especially in times of stress. That's when my unstructuredness shows up a lot, stress and deadlines, and my structuring energy is the first thing sacrificed. You see, there's a not-so-secret strategy that I didn't recognize or utilize that can really help, and that is the power of habits. Now, how do habits build our emotional agility? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) After all, that is the focus of our first podcast season, which you know if you've been following along. And what you may not know, though, is that we're almost finished with our first season. Back in episode seven, we talked about how to get clear on our values using the data from our emotions and then verifying that data through some self-discovery work. 
If you missed that episode, no worries. You can always check it out, and you can still download the episode resources on our website in the podcast section. Well, today we're putting that data about our values to work by aligning our habits and our behaviors with our values. And that puts us at the end of our definition of emotional agility, which I'm going to remind you, which is the ability to nimbly process our emotions to maintain or adjust our thoughts and behaviors to align with our values and goals. See how we're at the end? A few things come to mind when I start thinking about this, and I bet you might be thinking along the same lines. What do our habits have to do with emotional agility? Well, emotional agility requires intentional processing energy. And the more depleted we are, the less energy we have to give to emotional agility. On a side note, I always warn my clients to watch out when they're depleted. Because we are so much more likely to react rather than respond when we're not filled up. And when are we depleted? Well, just remember HALT. H-A-L-T. We're depleted when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And let me tell you, right now, during a pandemic, we're pretty depleted, at least in a number of ways. During the pandemic, many of us are lonely from isolation. We're tired of being away from our families or friends or not gathering in a big group. If you're an extrovert, it's especially hard. If you get energy from being with people, this is a challenging time. A depleting time. We're tired of being careful. Caution fatigue is a real thing. We're just done with it. And honestly, a lot of us are angry about the way life is just going in general right now. There's a lot of challenges. So watch out and steward your energy carefully. Stay filled up with self-care, which we've talked a little bit about, and leverage the power of habits to not only conserve energy, but to make powerful behavioral changes that start small, but create long-term compound impact. How do habits help conserve energy? To answer that, you need to know that our brains use about 20% of our energy reserves. And one of the biggest drains on that 20% is making decisions or choices. Habits are behaviors that we perform repeatedly without much thought, without having to consider a lot of choices. For most of us, brushing our teeth is an example of a habit. We're not born with that behavior, but we learn it, and thanks to much patience and reminding from our parents, we don't really have to think about when to do it, or how to do it, or gathering the materials to do it. It's likely part of our morning routines, We've repeated it enough that we don't have to think, move the brush up and down and round and round. And we usually keep the materials near the bathroom sink, so we don't have to wander all over the house looking for them or trying to find them. They're pretty easily found. And that is exactly how habits conserve brain energy. We don't have to think about it. No real choice involved. No decisions. And this gives us more energy to intentionally process our emotions. But habits can also be leveraged to adjust our behavior towards our goals, giving us less emotional dissonance, meaning our values align with our behaviors and we get all the good feelings of that. Aligning our behavior with our values helps us take the ideas of what's important and put them into action. And the best, most efficient way to change our behaviors is through habits. 
The next point I want to bring to your attention is that small changes consistently practiced over time create massive results. I have a good friend and she co-owns a contracting business with her husband. And when subcontractors can't make it or something goes wrong, the delay and the finished results lay at the feet of the business owners. So that's why my friend found herself one Saturday morning standing at the end of a curving driveway looking at a disarray of pavers in front of her. She and her husband had a client deadline rapidly approaching, and that morning her husband asked if they could grab some coffee and go check out their driveway job their subcontractors had finished the day before. They were supposed to hand the house over to the clients early the next week, and he wanted to make sure everything was on track. Well, what they found when they stood at the foot of the completed, and I'm saying that in quotes even though you can't see me, when they stood at the foot of the completed driveway was a tight paver pattern at the top of the drive and massive gaps with a hodgepodge pattern at the bottom of the driveway. Needless to say, my friend and her husband had to take up every paver and start over because even though the pavers at the top of the driveway were pretty tight, the pattern was just a tiny bit off as the driveway started to follow the curve. And once they began reworking the top of the driveway, she was amazed at what had started as being a quarter inch error at the top of the drive. When that error was repeated consistently, it wound up being about a four inch gap at the end of the drive. Repeating the error consistently over time completely changed the pattern and trajectory of that design. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, says this. He says you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current results. And I find that interesting. And it reminded me of my friend and just that little bit of error and how it made such a massive impact down the road. So I'm telling you this because if we can make small changes in our behavior that more closely align with our values, we can make a huge difference a year from now. Tweaking our habits is one of the most effective ways to alter our behavior and move towards our values. A person who is building emotional agility is practicing regular movement toward her living out her values. In her book, Emotional Agility, Dr. David says that values without action are just aspirations. I'm going to say that one more time. Values without action are just aspirations. And the question we're asking ourselves today is, what actions can we make to move toward our values? We don't have to get it all at once, but those little tweaks, those just tiny little adjustments now, repeated over time, can get us way closer to living our values. In episode 7, I talked a little about my values. One of my values is relationships with my family. Another of my values is contribution, meaning I like to pour into others in a way that creates results. Sometimes moving towards one value can feel like I'm moving away from another. Working to contribute to others can take away from the time I have to pour into relationships with my family. Dr. David handles this topic in her book, saying that actions that move us toward our values actually are about quality and not quantity. For example, If someone spends eight hours of each day at work and two hours in the evening eating and talking with family, it doesn't mean that work is a higher value than family just because it gets more time. You've heard that old expression, quality over quantity is what counts, and in this case, it's true. 
I'm sharing this with you to affirm that having done your values work and learning to understand the messages your emotions are bringing you, they don't have to be followed by a drastic reordering of your life. In fact, small consistent changes will have a greater long-term impact in moving you towards living out your values without completely uprooting your life and compromising other values you already have in place. So how do we know what new habits we might want or what old habits we might want to change? The first place to look is the habits you already have. You may have to do a bit of work here because habits by their very nature are unconscious or at least require very little thought. To examine your habits, the easiest first place to look is by time of day. Morning, lunch, (laughs) okay, you can tell I'm hungry. Morning, afternoon, evening. What behavior do you repeat every morning? Ask this question about each part of your day and then week and month and look for those repeated behaviors, those things you do on a regular basis. And then ask if it's moving you towards or away from any of your top values. For example, remember how I said one of my values is contribution? One way I want to contribute is by writing a book that is approachable, practical, and valuable in helping people improve their self-leadership. I know that some of my best, most creative writing time is between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m., but my habit for years was getting up early, having breakfast and tea, and watching the news, then having my devotion time, getting my exercise in, and then getting to my writing around nine or so. So I was missing out on my most creative time. I was doing good things, but when I reassess my routine, I see how it's not necessarily moving me towards my values. I have years of practice with this habit. It's comfortable, and I feel pretty good about it until I ask myself the magic question, which is, is my morning routine supporting my values? If you've listened along with me for this season, you'll notice that I always ask my amazing guests what their morning routine looks like. It fascinates me, as I believe it to be a key part of self-leadership, but also because I recently took a good hard look at my own routine. For the last few months, I'm trying to establish a new routine for myself. My new routine looks like getting up early, so that didn't change, making my tea, That didn't change, but then going to my office before I turn on the television and catch the news, before I check my email or any social media. I have a short prayer time, and then I sit at my desk and start writing. It is not always easy. I'm not trying to make this seem like sunshine and roses, but I'm going to unpack a few principles that are helping me out. The first thing I do, I connect with what values I'm moving toward. I'm moving toward the value of contribution. So that's the one I want to connect with. I want to finish this book to contribute to my readers and clients, to contribute to my own sense of accomplishment, to contribute to my family financially. So just reviewing that to remember, to remember those values, to picture those values. So I created a structure that reminds me of that and it's a board in my office with photos on it. I have photos of my family. Looking at that in the morning helps me connect with that value, the value of wanting to contribute to the important people in my life. Then the second principle I use is I set myself up for success. To do that the night before, remember I'm shooting for an early morning writing time, to set myself up for success the night before I clear my desk 
and get my manuscript on my desk with a pen and any books that I'm using for research. I get it all set up, it's ready. The next principle I use is I declare it to my family, the ones who live with me. I make it known what I'm trying to accomplish so that when I go into the office and close the door, they don't come knocking when they wake up and can't find something, they handle it themselves. The next principle I want to talk about is habit stacking. I stack my habit with an already established routine. I already get up early. I already turn on the kettle as soon as I walk into the kitchen. Now my old habit from there had me starting the kettle and then walking over and turning on the television. My new habit has me turning on the kettle, walking into my office, turning on my office light, and starting up my computer. Then I spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Later on, I'll go back and do my devotional reading, but not at this point. So about now, the kettle is boiling, and I go and fix my tea. Now here's the tricky bit. My comfy chair in front of the television beckons me. <laughs> but usually, since I know my computer is turned on, my lamp is shining on my desk, I can usually make it back to my desk. And honestly, that's kind of what I tell myself. At least when I first started, that's what I told myself that all I really had to do was make it to my desk and write for 10 minutes. Then I could go and watch the news or sometimes, especially during the pandemic, I've really guarded my input. So I could write for 10 minutes and then um, as a reward, I could go and watch a really favorite show that I'm not going to mention because I told you I wouldn't, but remember it's the one with all the people who really like each other and hang out in a coffee shop. Yeah, that one. Anyway, <laughs> when I told myself that I only had to write for 10 minutes, and I really connected with the value I was supporting, I usually stayed the whole hour, even early days, even when I was just starting this. When you really step back and look at my new habit, it's not a huge change, but continuing this habit has helped me get my book into the editing process. And that is closer to publication. Not to mention, I feel my contribution value, which gives me so much energy that it boosts my willpower for other areas of my behavior that support other values. A little bit of a domino effect. Now here's something our guest Sabine Gedeon touched on in our last episode and Dr. David talks about in her book. Change comes with loss. Remember my comfy chair? My years of relishing the quiet of the house and sole control of the remote before anyone else was up? My choice to adjust my routine came with a loss. But I'm able to cope with that loss by reminding myself that I want to write a book. I'm choosing to write a book. No one's making me do it. I want to. Dr. David says, finding a want to is not about forcing any particular choice. It's about making it easier to choose things that lead to the life you want. That desire to contribute through making a choice to write a book can give me energy and joy as I turn from my comfy chair and head toward my office. Let's circle back to the steps you can use to adjust a habit and move toward your values. Identify your current habits, your repeated behavior, Ask if each habit or set of habits, which is a routine, is moving you towards or away from your values. Set yourself up for success. Ask what you need to have in place to reduce your resistance to the habit you're trying to establish. Declare your efforts to those who might impact it. For example, tell your coworkers you're going to start taking a walk at lunch so they'll understand when you turn down the invitation to go to the fast food place for lunch. 
Habit Stack. Use an established habit to cue your new habit. Remember, mine is to fill and turn on the kettle. There is one last thing that I do to help with my new habit. Okay, really two. (laughs) But they're kind of related. I measure my progress. Now, my book helps with that. At least it did when I was first writing and I had page count or word count to help me measure. In the editing process, it gets a little murkier. So I just make a note, actually a little red check on my calendar if I got my writing time in. And when I see my calendar filling up with those checks, it feeds my sense of success and it makes me want to keep my streak going. Okay, part B, or the other thing that I do, is celebrate. I give myself a verbal, way to go, sweetness. Yeah, you got to go all the way back to like episode one to understand that reference. But anyway, it's kind of like a fist pump that an athlete uses to reinforce a good shot. I give myself a pat on the back as I exit my office for the morning from having my morning writing time, and I'm really going to celebrate when the book is done. Now, for those of you exercising, cleaning, or driving while you listen, I'll have all these steps for you in an infographic in the podcast section of our website. Just click on the resources for this episode. There is just one last thing to chat about with habits, and that is trying to stop a bad habit. Here's the interesting thing that I found, and I'm not the only one. In fact, Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habit, calls it the golden rule of habit change. He says, you can't extinguish a bad habit, you can only change it. Instead of just trying to stop an undesirable habit, adjust it to become a desirable habit. For example, say you value connection with your family, But your habit after dinner is to sit down for a little social media time, and before you know it, it's time for bed, and you've actually been in the phone zone for an hour and a half. Instead of just trying to not pick up your phone after dinner, add a behavior that actually supports the family connection value. Use those same steps we've talked about before. Connect with the value you're supporting. I value connecting with my family, so I'm going to spend quality time with them after dinner. Then set yourself up for success by putting your phone to charge in a different room before dinner, where you would have to be intentional about going to find it if you were going to keep up with your old habit. Plan a family activity or a conversation topic and acquire anything you might need for that before dinner and put it close to the dinner table. Declare your new habit to the family so they know you've dedicated this time for them and whatever you've chosen for your time together then stack your habit. If putting the dishes in the dishwasher was your trigger for, say, reaching for your phone, let that instead trigger your family activity. Say it's a puzzle. You close the dishwasher and you reach for the puzzle box. Measure on the family calendar the number of nights you leave your phone charging in the other room and have family time after dinner. Then celebrate it by taking photos of your activities and making a bulletin board collage for your family. Or just hug your kids and Tell yourself, well done. There's a pretty good chance that they won't live in your home forever and you're making the most of your time with them. Now, I know that there are some other things going on here. This was a simple example. And I'm also going to caution you that you may want to schedule some social media time later. It's providing you a certain kind of reward. Or you may want to delete it altogether. But if you do decide to have it, put some limits on it. Set a timer and set it at a time when it won't conflict with your value of connecting with your family. If you have a habit you don't want, 
change it to become one you do want. That's all I have for you today. On our next and final episode of this season, we'll be talking about the impact of emotional agility at work. Until then, everyone, take a look at your habits. Get them aligned with your values. You'll have more energy and be able to show up filled up for your family and friends and community and for yourself. So until next time, take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at Boss Yourself First or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.